Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast brought to you by BibleQuestions.org and the Holly Street Church of Christ. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Bible questions from the Bible. My name is Brian, and along with Jeff, we are the hosts of this program. Hello, and welcome to the Bible Questions podcast. My name is Jeff. With me today is Brian. How are you doing, Brian? Hey, doing really well, Jeff. Thanks. Yeah, today we're going to be continuing a, a series on prayer, uh, and today we have a, our special guest, uh, our preacher, Alan Hitchin, who will be kind of guiding us through the continuation of this uh, important topic, this important study. Uh, Alan, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, Jeff. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, you know, coming on the podcast and, and giving our listeners the benefit of your you know, your study and your experience, because I know this is a very, you know, important, critical topic, you know, that, that faithful Christians should, uh, you know, be very uh, familiar with. So maybe, Brian, to get us started on to this uh, second part, um, do you have like a question you can get uh, Alan started with? Yeah, why don't we start by, Alan, you just kind of giving our listeners, especially if those who are listening did not have an opportunity to hear the first episode, just kind of a uh, a little bit of a summary of what you talked about in that episode. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. My uh, understanding of prayer is that it is a communication with God. I think all of us have that understanding. And communication requires talking and listening. Whenever we communicate, whether it's our loved ones and our family or our friends or even at work when we're talking about what we're going to do for the day. There has to be someone who's talking, someone who's listening, someone who's talking. And any good relationship has to begin not with the ability to talk, but with the ability to listen. This is what is going to really develop a close relationship with people is when they're just as concerned to hear other people as they are to talk themselves. And this is where we uh, start our understanding of prayer. Because our relationship with God, of course, throughout the scriptures is based on our ability to listen to him. Matter of fact, our whole lesson last week was on the ability to hear what God is telling us. Because without that, we don't have a relationship with God. And without a relationship with God, our prayers are really just selfish requests for things that we want for ourselves. But... The love, the devotion, the praise, the honor, the adoration, it's just not there. So anytime we think about prayer, before we start praying, we need to think about our relationship with God and how well we are listening to Him, or the prayers probably aren't going to be heard. Yeah, and so for those of you that are listening to this episode, if you didn't have a chance to listen to the first one, please do. And one thing you'll notice is that, in, in fact, it might even be a little surprising to you as you go through that episode is how much time, Alan, that you spent on emphasizing what you were just talking about, our ability to hear. So could you talk about also, you know, why you use that approach and why you felt it was important to emphasize hearing? Yes. Uh, a lot of times our prayers can be beautiful. We can be praying to God, thanking God, praising God, but God has been very clear, and we talked a little bit about this just with the idea of sacrifice last week. When Cain and Abel brought their sacrifices to God, uh, they both had a desire to give those sacrifices to God, but God didn't accept 
Cain's sacrifice, all the work, all the effort, all the toil he put into bringing that sacrifice to God, and God didn't want it. God wouldn't accept it. And when we get to Hebrews, we find out it's because Cain didn't have the right heart. He didn't have a trusting heart. And so when we are about to pray to God, we need to understand that we have to have a relationship with God. If we don't have a relationship with God, then our prayers, well, let's let's look at a couple of scriptures. Let's let's try to help our, our listeners understand what we're getting across here. Um, in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 1, uh, the writer, of course, the Holy Spirit wrote the entire scripture, so we'll just use the Holy Spirit has said to all of us. Uh, Jeff, you want to read that for us, Ecclesiastes 5.1? Sure. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. And of course, this is a very good inspired commentary on exactly what happened with Cain. Uh, he was not walking prudently. And it's interesting, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, John actually says that his works were evil and Abel's works were righteous. So without drawing near to hear, whether we're offering worship to God or whether we are asking God to hear our prayers or we are honoring him with our prayers, if our primary emphasis is not on our focus to listening and trusting and giving God the honor, then the next verse I'd like to read, which is uh, Proverbs uh, 15 and verse 8, and then Proverbs 28, verse 9. So, uh, Brian, would you like to read that for us, please? Uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 15, verse 8 says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. And then Proverbs 28, 9 says, One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. So we have this term abomination used twice. First of all, for the sacrifices of the wicked. And so let's just take a wicked man, an ungodly man. He, he goes out to his flock. He gets a beautiful animal. He brings it to the priest. He offers that sacrifice to God, giving him the very best that he has. But if his heart is not truly devoted to God, then that sacrifice is meaningless. Uh, you can't offer God a sacrifice if you don't already have a loving relationship with him. It'd be like somebody who uh, is an enemy of ours and who has never said anything nice to us and never apologized and never fixed anything, but he wants to bring a gift. Uh, our children try that sometimes. They're disobedient. Uh, they don't do what we've asked them to do, but they don't want to have to deal with the disobedience. So they try to bring a gift or they try to bring a compliment. And if we're wise parents, we're going to sit them down and say, uh, look, son or, or look, daughter, I appreciate the fact that you're wanting to resolve this problem with a gift, but we've got to fix the problem with an apology, with a repentance, with a confession just like we do with God. Uh, when uh, Israel was uh, trying to develop a relationship with God, he had to keep bringing them back to this over and over and over again, as he would bring them throughout the judges into serious problems with the nations, and they would cry out to him, but until they actually repented and told him they were sorry for their previous actions, he wouldn't act. 
So, Alan, you've used kind of a phrase, uh, this phrase of listening to God. And I know when some people submit questions to the website, they may talk about in those terms, but some of them, some people may think that is like something mystical or, you know, maybe supernatural or some kind of inner voice that kind of speaks to you or an inclination or feeling or, or, or whatever. So for today's listeners, could you maybe just very briefly explain explain what you mean by, quote unquote, listening to God? Sure. Yeah. Um, last proverb we read, one who turns away his ear from hearing the law. So the Old Testament, of course, we call the law of Moses. The New Testament is the law of Christ, the gospel of Christ, the law of liberty. And uh, before we can develop a relationship with God, we, in our dispensation, we have to hear the word. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. So I've got to hear that word. I've got to believe and be baptized. And then I'm hearing. Now I have heard what God has commanded me to do. And once I've done that, now I'm his son or I'm his daughter, depending on uh, the relationship. And so now, because I've heard the commands of the Lord and submitted to them. No, this isn't mystical. This is simply getting out the scriptures. You remember the Bereans in Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. They were noble-minded, which literally means of high birth. These were noble people who were upper-class, high-class people. Based on what? They searched the scriptures daily for whether or not what Paul was preaching to them was true. That's the kind of hearing uh, that we're speaking about. <clears throat> yeah, appreciate you clarifying that. And, you know, there's another perhaps aspect because we're, even though we're talking about prayer, you know, you spent pretty much all of the last uh, podcast and, you know, so far a good portion of this podcast, you know, talking about listening and, in essence, believing and obeying, like you clarified. Uh, and it's it's almost like you're spending all this time kind of building a foundation or, or if you will, you know, almost like, you know, with people building a house, you know, trying to explain to the homeowner, you know, why do you have to spend so much money, so much time on the foundation, you know, on the concrete or whatever that no one will ever see. And so I'm, I'm kind of curious, um, you know, your kind of thoughts about why spending so much time, if you will, before we talk about prayer. Talk about something before prayer, if that makes sense. Yes. Uh, this is really a fundamental problem. And that is that God can't hear my prayer if I'm a sinner. God does not hear the prayers of sinners. The prayers of sinners are an abomination to him. And so if I start teaching the people how to pray without laying the foundation of you cannot pray to God until you're his son or his daughter. You cannot pray to God until you are listening in submission in submission to him. He cannot hear the prayers of sinful people. Uh, let's look at a passage, and then I'll kind of develop this a little bit more. Um, Jeff, since you just finished, why don't you go ahead and read uh, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 for us, please? Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, but it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. 
Okay, and, and so this was a problem. He actually dealt with this a little more fully in the previous chapter, talking about fasting. And the people had complained to God, why do we fast and you don't hear? Why are we uh, doing these commands for you and receiving no benefits from it? And so God makes a very clear point. When things aren't happening the way that we expect them to, instead of saying, well, I guess God's hand's just not long enough. His hand is too short to reach to me or, or his ear's just too heavy. He can't hear me. And that's not the problem. The problem is our iniquities. If we are not forgiven, if we have not heard the the gospel and obeyed the gospel and had our sins washed away, then our prayers are going to be... Uh, now, if we pray for, for the ability to find the truth, of course, God's going to help us with that. But if we're asking God to do all of these wonderful things for us that he has the power to do, but he never seems to do them, then we need to look at... What's going on inside of me? Because no matter how beautiful the prayer is, no matter how many God has asked me to pray for and I'm praying for them, I can't expect God to listen to me. I mean, he's been very clear about this. If, if you don't hear me, then I can't hear you. If you turn your way away your ear from hearing the law, your prayer is an abomination. If you will not submit to me, your sacrifices are an abomination. So the foundation of all good prayer is not actually in the prayers themselves. It's in the heart of the person who is offering up the prayers. We saw this last week with uh, Cornelius. His prayers and his alms went up as a memorial before God because of his relationship of wanting to be in submission to God. And so the yes the hearing the law, hearing the word, obeying the gospel, living a godly life, making an assessment. Uh, that's our foundation. That's what we have to lay before God is going to be able to hear our prayers. God made a, a very strong lament in Psalms 81, where he just wanted the people to understand that things did not go the way that I wanted them to go. You see that at the end of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy, Moses says, here are the blessings. If you obey the law and you listen to the law and you submit to the law, then here's all the blessings God will be able to do for you. But if you turn from hearing the law, if you rebel against the law, then here are all the curses that God is going to be forced to heap upon you. And so God takes us all the way back to Egypt and talks about how much he wanted to bless Israel. But here was the problem, and it's exactly the problem we've been trying to lay this foundation. So, uh, Brian, would you like to read that, please? Psalm 81, verses uh, 10 to 14. Here it says, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not heed my voice, and Israel would have none of me. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. All right, so Jeff, this kind of answers the question you asked earlier. Uh, verse 11, my people would not heed my voice. Well, what is exactly does that mean? Well, they wanted to walk in their own counsels. 
So verse 13, if my people would listen to me and walk in my ways. So that's what God expects from us. He wants a submissive child. He wants a a son or a daughter who is going to listen to him, who is going to walk in his ways. Uh, Like Paul put it in Philippians chapter uh, 3, he said that I have suffered the loss of all things that I might gain Christ and be found in him. And then he goes, continues on to say, I'm going to press on and I'm going to do everything I can every time I hear God's word. Uh, kind of like something that was said about Samuel. Samuel never let any of God's words fall to the ground, which means he, catch, he caught them, he put them in his mind, he acted on them, and because of that, Samuel was one of God's closest uh, judges and 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 a, and a good prophet. He was a very wonderful servant of God. And of course, God would hear the prayers of somebody like that. And so, verse 14, if my people would simply listen to me and hear my voice, I could subdue their enemies. I could turn my hand against their adversaries, or we might put it another way, I could prayers. And so, Without this, I mean, there's multitudes of people all over the world that are praying. Some are not Christians. Some are Christians who don't really follow God's word in any way, uh, but they all expect an answer. And uh, what God has revealed, and this is, as I say, this is a foundation we have to lay, is that if you want God to hear you, you need to hear him first. And so that's, that's really what we're trying to lay here. Well, and Alan, I appreciate that, especially your emphasis on back on Psalms 81, where it uses the word walk. Now, obviously, we're not talking, you know, physically putting, you know, one step in front of another, but we're really talking about manner of life or or lifestyle or, you know, an ongoing, not just a one-time listening or a one-time obedience. Would that be fair? Yes. Uh, It's interesting. The Hebrews and the Greeks... looked at life a little differently than we do. We say, where do you live? And by that, we mean, where do you function in your physical life? They would say, where do you walk? And by that, they meant, where is it that you are spending your time? Uh, Do you walk to the bars? Do you walk to the prostitutes? Do you live with those kind of situations? Or are you walking with God? Are you attending services on the first day of the week as God has commanded? And are you helping the poor? And where where is your walk leading you? So, yes, we walk with God when we are uh, submissive to God. It's interesting, in, in the Old Testament, a man named Enoch, uh, he, it says, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And then in Hebrews, God actually explains that by faith, Enoch was translated, and he was translated as a testimony that the life he was living before he was translated was very pleasing to God. So, walking with God, which means, uh, you remember Amos chapter 4, verse 4, can two walk together unless they be agreed? So, if I want to go east, you want to go west, we can't walk together. If God wants me to walk in righteousness, but I want to walk in my own willful manner, then we can't walk together. And if we can't walk together, we can't be talking with each other because I won't listen to him, and so he can't listen to me. So it's just kind of a, uh, a very important principle for all of us.
Thank you. Yeah, and to take that one step further, you know, Alan, one of the most common errors that I see in the religious world today is those who claim to be doing what God asked them to do. But much like you were referencing Samuel earlier, you know, God sent Samuel to rebuke Saul because Saul was given the instruction as the leader of Israel to utterly destroy the Amalekites. And that meant everything. That man meant men, women, animals, the king, everything. And of course, we know in 1 Samuel uh, that 15 specifically, we're told, you know, that he spared the best of the animals, he spared the king. And I always found it interesting in 1 Samuel 15, 13, that when Samuel went to Saul, kind of the first words out of Saul's mouth were, he says, blessed are you of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And then Samuel says, then what is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen? Of course, Saul goes on to talk about, well, you know, we spared this, they spared these animals to be able to sacrifice and, and so forth. Uh, but, but as you know, Samuel had to make this very strong point where he says, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. So God expects us to completely follow everything, right? And not modify it in any way. And anyhow, going back to a lot of religions we see today, they may only change a few things, but if they're changing anything, then it's not gonna be acceptable to God. Right, yeah, and I would really urge our listeners to listen, to, to read that chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 15, where God was so disappointed. He said, I regret that I made Saul king because he has turned back from following me and he has not kept my commandments. Well, what had he not done? He didn't kill everything like God had asked him to do. So sometimes it's those specifics. And, and sometimes I think God asks us to do specific things to see just how meticulous we will be. And, uh, and, and again, the more we do, the more pleased God will be, the more pleased he is with us, the more inclined he's going to be to grant our request. You know, think about it like this. If you have a son that's rebellious, a son that won't submit to you in any way, and he comes to you and says, uh, I would like to have, and maybe it's a car, or maybe it's a gun, or maybe it is something that uh, you know is very dangerous, and since you don't trust your son, because he never listens. You can't give him what you'd like to give him. But then we have another son who's always submissive, always doing his father's will. And he comes and makes a request. And the father says, well, I could be glad to do that because I can trust you that you will use this for something that's good. <clears throat> yeah, so going back to uh, the foundation that you were talking about. So, you know, when we've laid this spiritual foundation that you mentioned, uh, we're very confident that we're trying as hard as we can to do exactly what God said, as we were just talking about. Uh, what's next? What's the next step after that? Well, that's a, an excellent question. God is intensely interested in our prayers. He has outlined everything. He wants us to pray. He's commanding us to pray. He is very interested uh, in our prayers. But uh, as I say, we had to begin with the former, because if you look at the people we're talking about, let's, let's start with Abraham or Moses or Jesus or Paul. They had 
active prayer lives. They were very involved in prayer. We, we see them praying and praying all the time. And we see God answering their prayers because Abraham walked with God and Moses was a very close, special servant to God because he was so submissive. Of course, Jesus was sinless and Paul was very zealous. And so they had a very close relationship with God. Now, at that point, that God wanted us to know how much they prayed. And so Jesus is praying in the morning, in the evening, on mountains, by lakesides. It's just, he's always praying. And Paul was the same. So the two key ingredients to our relationship with God is learning how to listen and learning how to communicate or, or talk back. And there's a, a passage that God would like for us to take in both of those directions in James chapter 4. And uh, let's just read verse 8 there. James chapter 4, verse 8. Jeff, would you like to read that, please? Okay. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So drawing near to God is, number one, we listen. Repentance means to change your mind. It means to change the direction of your life. We're walking away from God. Romans chapter 1 through 3, whether we are uh, a knowing of God's law or not knowing of God's law, our sins have pushed us to be walking in the wrong direction. We have to turn around and come back to God. But it also requires us to learn how to talk to Him. You know, talking to people is hard. When we first meet people sometimes, and, and, and it's very difficult to go up to a complete stranger and, and, and start talking to them. And so being able to communicate by listening and by talking is how we will draw near to God. So going back to James 4 that we read a few moments ago, you know, why do you think God has asked us you know, to be the ones to take the first steps? You know, draw near to God and then he will. What do you suppose that is? Yeah, that's an intriguing question, and I've thought about that a lot. Why would God expect us to take the initiative here? But the reality is is very clear. Uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And God is as close to us as we will let him. He loves us. He has mercy and compassion. He longs to, you know, you, you read the parable of the prodigal son, and here's a man who has taken all of his father's possessions, his inheritance, and gone out and squandered it with prostitutes and drunkards and a very wicked, ungodly man. But when that man showed even the slightest signs of repentance by returning home, the father rushes out and holds him and is so grateful and actually kills the fatted calf because he's so happy. And that's how God feels about every one of us. He loves us. He doesn't want us to perish. He wants us to come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants us to be his children. He has sent his son as a seal to prove just how badly he wants us to be with him. And so we have to, we're the ones that have to draw near to him because he's as close as, as we can, as, as he can possibly be. We have to be the one to come near to him because we are the ones who created the barrier in the first place. When God created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden, uh, it's very clear. He came and talked with them in the cool of the day. And so they had a relationship. But when they sinned, they hid themselves 
because they had moved away. God was still there, and he still wanted to be close to them, but they had brought about a serious problem that needed to be resolved. And there's, uh, God has, has made it very, very clear that he wants us to be praying all the time. Uh, it's a very short verse, uh, but uh, Brian, would you like to read First Thessalonians chapter 5 and just verse 17? Yes, it says, pray without ceasing. Yes, pray without ceasing. And so God is interested in what we have to say to him. As I say, in order to build a close relationship, we must already show our interest in what he has to say and our interest in keeping his commandments and doing whatever he would like for us to do. But once we've reached that point, God says, now, I want you to do the same. I I want you to pray without ceasing. And people have asked me through the years, how can we pray without ceasing? Do we pray while we sleep? Do we pray when we're at work and we're trying to focus on uh, our, our work? We're on the computer or we're on the phone and we're, are we supposed to be praying then? And I've, I've, through the years, I've thought a lot about this, and uh, ceasing and without ceasing are, are relative terms. We could say, if you don't eat without ceasing or drink without ceasing, drinking water, or if you don't breathe without ceasing, or if your heart doesn't beat without ceasing, you can't live. But we all understand that those are different concepts. Uh, my heart is beating 60 to 80 times a minute. And if I'm supposed to pray the way my heart is beating, then that's going to require me to never sleep, to never focus on anything else, but just be praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, clearly, that's not what this passage is saying. So, well, we breathe 12 to 20 times a minute. But once again, if if that's how we prayed without ceasing, then we would understand that that's not something that we could do. Paul was preaching. Paul was doing other works. He wasn't praying all the time. So, but if we pray the way that we eat or the way that we drink, I think we have a pretty clear uh, understanding because that's, you can't uh, pray when you're sleeping. You can't pray when you're working, but when you are praying like you're eating or drinking, that means that there needs to be a longing. And we need to, whenever we have an opportunity throughout the day, whenever there's a problem, whenever there's a temptation, whenever there's a need for wisdom, I'm going to pray. So I may be praying uh, all the time. Every, every, every time I get myself into a situation, I'm, I'm going to pray. So I'm praying without ceasing when every time it's appropriate to pray, every time I should be praying, every time I have a need and I want to pray then that's what God is uh, asking me to do. So prayer is our heart's desires, our heart's needs expressed to God. You know, communication is interesting. Uh, I don't just ask my friends for things every time I see them. We communicate with each other. We express our our hopes and our dreams. We we talk about things that are important to us. We we ask for uh, guidance 
in certain things. We're not just asking for uh, for things. And and some people, unfortunately, they pray to God uh, not so much to communicate with God, not to draw near to Him, not to express their love, their devotion, their appreciation, their thanksgiving. Uh, if if that's what we find ourselves, if we find that our prayers are only requests. I need this. I want this. I I would like to have this. Then, um, I think we're we're missing really the whole point of prayer. Um, Jeff, would you read Colossians four verse two, please? Okay. Continue earnestly in prayer, being watchful or vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Okay. So here's another command. The first command Paul gives is pray without ceasing. So now I'm a Christian. I love God. I'm devoted to God. I have to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. And so I have to figure out how do I pray without ceasing? Well, in Colossians, he gives me a couple of clues. First of all, he says that my prayers should be continued earnestly. Of course, the word earnest means intensity or zeal or desire and interest. And so I need, as I'm praying, prayer needs to be a part of my thought processes, just like food, just like uh, the need to drink, or just like the need to sleep. Uh, we need to develop a need to prayer. We, or excuse me, we need to develop a need to pray. And we should be continuing as Christians. We should be continuing earnestly and, and intensely in our prayers, being watchful. Now, what does that mean, being watchful in it? Well, that means that I'm monitoring my prayers. My prayer life is something that tells me how my relationship with God is developing. If I'm praying more and more and more, that's telling me that I'm becoming more spiritually minded, that I'm becoming more trusting and loving and devoted to God, and that God is actually becoming my friend. Uh, we talked about Abraham last week. Abraham was the friend of God because they developed a close relationship. And so I need to be watchful in my prayers. How many times did I pray today? Uh, am I praying more? Am I praying less? What am I praying for? I'm watching my prayers. One of the interesting things, often we have announcements and we learn about uh, the needs of other people. And, and prayers are requested. Well, am I praying? Am I watching? Am I, am I making sure that I'm doing those things? And then the third thing he mentions here is thanksgiving. And that's so encompassing that we're going to have to have, we're going to have an entire lesson on prayer regarding how we should give thanks and, and how God wants us to give thanks. So uh, that, that's at the end of the day, did I pray today? Uh, how did I pray today? Uh, was my were my hands holy and clean when I was praying? Have I been forgiven of all of my sins? Before I go to sleep at night, I want to make sure that my right my life is right with God and that I have prayed to Him and that He knows of my love. Because if the Lord comes back in the night, or if I am if I die in the night, I want to meet Him on a good set of terms. And so I pray without ceasing, but I also am continuing earnestly and zealously and intensely, and I'm watching to make sure that all those things are being done. So it seems that God is just as interested in how we view and fulfill our obligations to pray as he is in our desire to hear and submit to him. 
You know, that's a that's an interesting point, Brian. And Jesus gave a whole parable on this. And uh, it's in Luke chapter 18. And it's not a very long parable, so I'd, I'd like to, to at least introduce our readers to it if they've never heard it before. And it's interesting because this prayer, this parable actually starts with the purpose with which he gave it. And so, Jeff, would you like to read that, that first verse there in uh, Luke 18 and verse 1? Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. So here is a parable with Jesus' intent that we would always pray and not lose heart or give up or feel like uh, we are not really receiving what we thought prayer would give to us. And, and it's such a, that, that's such a terrible thing that we would think that if prayer only brings me blessings, then I know God is hearing my prayers. Whereas we shouldn't need that. We know he's hearing our prayers because of the scriptures, because what the scriptures are telling us, we know he's hearing our prayers. We don't need outside confirmation. Too many people in the world today are looking outside of the word to see if God loves them or not. Am I rich? Am I healthy? Do I have these blessings? If I don't, then maybe God doesn't love me. Uh, and of course, that's, that couldn't be further from the truth. We learn of God's love through the scriptures, not through the physical blessings that we have. Paul made that clear when he said in Ephesians chapter 3 that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And we find those in the scriptures. So, but Jesus has a concern here. He, he's concerned that his people are going to stop praying. And that's why we have to be watchful. Because if we reach a point where we give up, we're not praying like we used to. We're not, we're not focused on prayer like we used to. We've lost heart. So he gives this parable, and, and I'm not going to take a lot of time for the story. The story is given in verses 2 through 5. But basically, there's a judge who doesn't fear God and doesn't regard man. He has no outward motivation at all. He just does what he wants to do. He's not afraid of God. He's not afraid of what man can do to him. So he's pretty much free to do whatever he wants. And, and that's Jesus' first point. Now, the second point is we have a widow in the city who has been abused or mistreated. And, of course, he's got no compelling reason to listen to her. And, and that's what Jesus says in verse 4. He would not for a while. But when she kept coming and coming and coming, and so finally, verse 5, because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wears me out, she wearies me. And so then Jesus makes the application. Um, Brian, would you read that please for us? Uh, Luke 18, verses uh, uh, 6 and 7. Here it says, Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and then shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. So Jesus wants us to understand God's love, God's care and concern. He often has other plans than our specific needs. Um, if you think about when the destruction of Jerusalem, the time for the destruction of Jerusalem came, God had a need to destroy the people in Jerusalem. Now, that, of course, would impact his people. And so his people might be praying 
Father, please spare these people. Don't let Rome come in here. Well, uh, God had already determined Rome would come in there. So when they when they come in, Christians would have to realize that God has a plan, and He will take care of His people. Uh, if you if you take this this passage and overlay it on the terrible persecutions that Rome was doing to Christians. Uh, about 30 years after Jesus died on the cross, 30 to 40 years after Jesus died on the cross, they were arresting Christians, they were throwing them into prison, they were demanding that they renounce Jesus, saying there's no king but Caesar, just like the Jews did. And these Christians, of course, would be praying and praying and praying, and yet they would keep, that Rome would keep putting people to death. And so Jesus is saying, don't stop praying. God will avenge you. So trust him, trust his word, don't look at outward circumstances, because outward circumstances, there's always more going just what I want and what I need. There are so many things that God is working on. So Jesus is telling us, he will avenge you, he does care about you, he will hear your prayers, so don't lose heart. And yet, Jesus' final words are... Uh, something that w- this this goes back to Paul's statement, continuing earnestly and being watchful. So listen to what the Lord says here in this last verse in verse 8. Uh, Jeff, would you read that for us, please? Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And that's a good question that I ask myself. You need to ask yourself, every person, because this is all inside of the heart. Nobody Nobody knows how much you're praying except you. And nobody knows how much trust you are putting into faith except you. And so Jesus' concern here is, am I even going to find anybody on earth when I come back? When the second coming occurs, will I find people who have enough faith to be praying like this? So, as I said in the beginning, and we spent a whole class on it, or a whole podcast on it, uh, we need to be ready to listen to God. But once we are listening to God, then we need to focus on praying to God. Listening to God is not enough. Listening to God is critical. It's important. But without prayer, the hearing of God's word is not going to bring that close drawing near to God. It's not going to bring a close relationship until I learn how to talk to him. And that's why he's commanded me to never stop praying, to pray without ceasing, to continue earnestly in prayer, and to be watching. Because I don't want this to happen to me, and I know you don't want it to happen to you. So uh, God is very, very concerned, not only about our listening. Again, the, the entire New Testament and Old Testament are again and again focused on listening. But once we've got that foundation, now we need to focus on actually praying and talking to God in return. So, Alan, there's a verse that I'm aware of that let me you know bring to our attention and then i'd like you to comment on it the verse is uh, the passage over is, is over in matthew chapter 6 verses 7 and 8 where you know jesus is saying when you pray do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do for they think that they will be heard for their many words therefore do not be like them for your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him so, so I guess my question is, if God already knows what we're going to ask, then 
Why would God want to hear our prayers? Again, if he already knows what we're going to ask for. It seems almost like a contradiction. Well, it 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 does in a sense. But think of it like this. If, if I have a, a young child, let's say my child is now three years old, and he's beginning to understand that I take care of all of his needs, and he trusts me, but I want him to bring his needs to me as a as a uh, opportunity to develop the relationship. I want my son to love me, to trust me, to realize that I can take care of all of his problems and all of his needs. However, I don't want him to understand that so well that we never talk, we never have a relationship. He he takes care of me. I don't I don't so yes, God knows what we need before we ask him, but he wants us to ask him. James goes the opposite direction. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. So there are times where God is waiting for us to ask him before uh, he will give it to us, even though, <clears throat> excuse me, even though he knows what we need before we ask him, he still wants us to ask him. For example, in James chapter one, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and God will give liberally. And uh, But let him ask in faith, nothing doubting. So God wants me to ask for wisdom. And he's promised, if you ask for wisdom, I'll give it to you liberally. Uh, well, what if I don't ask? Well, then he knows I need it, but without me asking for it. So why does he make me ask? Again, just like a parent. He wants to develop a relationship with he wants the sense of dependence to be developed by me asking. Jesus said, ask every day for your daily bread. Uh, God knows I need daily bread. He knows uh, what I'm going to ask for. But that doesn't keep Jesus from saying, uh, give us this day our daily bread. And he also said, lead us not into temptation. So whenever there's a temptation coming, God wants me to ask. He knows I need it, but he wants me to ask. Because, like Paul said in Romans chapter uh, 1, they became foolish, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools. Well, what happened? Well, they knew God, but they didn't glorify him as God. They didn't give thanks. They stopped asking him for things, and their foolish heart was darkened. So, yes, God knows what we need before we ask him. So we don't have to explain everything to him. Uh, give him a detailed explanation. We don't have to make vain repetitions. He knows what we need. He just wants us to ask. Like that sinner in Luke 18 who beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And that was enough. God knew he needed to be forgiven, but until he asked, uh, God could not do it. So he didn't need a 10-minute prayer to explain it all. So this is, this is uh, I think, what Jesus is trying to get across to us there, Jeff. Yeah, good points. Appreciate that. And it's almost like a, you know, a person who, you know, takes God for granted. Well, you know, God already knows what I need, so, you know, I don't need to ask him. You know, does not, as you say, have that kind of a relationship that would say, no, I, I, I really want to talk to God. I need to talk to God. I need to, you know, let him know, you know, let him know that I, how I feel. You know, and just going through that expression 
uh, you know, pouring your heart out, etc. You know, whether it is, you know, asking or um, praising or, you know, whatever the case may be in, in terms of the, uh, you know, talking to God. Exactly. And again, if we if we just bring this down to a level we all understand, and that is uh, human relationships, my relationship with my son or my daughter, my relationship with my mother or father, my relationship with my close friends or my boss, it's all going to be determined by how well I can listen and how well I can talk. Uh, when two people are no longer communicating, the relationship is going to be strained and probably broken. Uh, because without God hearing from us and without us hearing from God, we don't have a relationship. Well, which side's more important? Well, they're both important. Uh, if I don't listen to God, I don't have a relationship with him. I'm rebellious. If I don't talk to God, I don't have a relationship with him because I'm rebellious, because I have commands in either way. But when we turn it around, we say, well, why does God want to hear from us? And Proverbs uh, 15, verse 8, is a very interesting proverb. Uh, Brian, would you like to read that for us, please? But the prayer of the upright is his delight. So God takes delight in our prayers, just like a father would with his young children. Uh, we take delight. I mean, we have children because we want to have a relationship with them. And, and the closer the relationship, the more delightful it is to have children. And God feels the same way. We are made after his image and likeness. Everything we feel started with him. And so the relationship, you remember Jesus, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father give good gifts to those who ask him? Because God wants us to trust him. He wants us to uh, understand that he can bring us everything that we need. And then he wants us to bring to him what we need. And when we do, when we express our love, our devotion, our appreciation and thanksgiving, it's a delight to him. Just like it would be a delight to me or to you if my son did that or my daughter did that or my wife or my husband did that or my close friends did that. We take delight when we develop a relationship where we can communicate our needs to them, they can communicate our, their needs to us, and then there's a mutual relationship where we, uh, we love each other, we respect each other, we trust each other, we rely on each other, we take care of each other, and that's what God wants, but it's not a one-sided relationship. We can't just live our lives uh, serving God uh, we need to live our lives serving God and drawing near to God and relationship with God, a relationship, again, of love and trust on the one side and submission and service on the other side. It's not a fair-weather friend. It's not someone that we go to when we have needs and never any other time. This is actually a very close relationship, and when God sees that, it's, it's delightful to him. That's why Jesus gave that prayer, that we would always pray and not give up, because God delights in our prayers. That's why he's commanded us to give them. Jeff, would you like to read uh, uh, Psalms 145, verses 18 and 19? Okay. Jehovah is near unto all them that call upon him. 
to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. So this is a, a passage that I think really summarizes prayer as we've developed it in these first two lessons. He is near to those who call upon him, who call upon him in truth. So calling upon him in truth means I've already developed a relationship with him and now we're walking together and when a need arises at that point, I've already proven myself to him. There's a passage in the psalm that says uh, that we should uh, draw near to God so that when the waters start to rise, we already have a relationship and we can call upon him. And, and that's really the idea here. And so as we, as we summarize and we wind down this, this second podcast, what I am trying to help all of us see is that prayer and hearing God's word are the same thing on a divine and human level as any friendship I have in this world. And if I will relate to all of the friends that I've developed and all the friendships I've lost over the years, then I can see how this is going to transfer into my relationship with God. And one of the points we're going to make in the next few weeks is that whatever problems I have with communication with other people, I'm going to have those problems with God. And so recognizing what my weaknesses are in my physical relationships will help me to recognize what they are. Because learning how to pray and becoming somebody who uh, can use prayer as a means to praise God and thank God on the one hand, a means to request his needs and get forgiveness on the other, is one of the most precious relationships that we can develop in this life. Such uh, wonderful thoughts, Alan. Appreciate that. And it's, you know, it's so sobering to think about that we can you know, pray to the creator of the universe. And as you mentioned, he not only wants us to pray, but we know that he knows each of us intimately. And so, you know, when you consider how many billions of people there are on this earth and how many have lived before us, uh, of course, we know there's nothing too hard for God, but it's still, you know, sobering to think that he knows each one of us intimately. And when we pray, he knows whether or not that's something we should have or, or should not. Yeah. And just to add one other thought to that is that to think that the creator of the universe would want to hear from me and that my prayer might be a delight to him, and that all the efforts that he's put into this material creation, at least I am giving him the return that he wants. And prayer is a big part of that. Learning how to listen, learning how to be a devout, godly Christian is very important. But so is learning how to pray and express that love and devotion back to him. Yeah, very good thoughts, Alan. Appreciate that. So, hey, can you give our listeners an idea of what uh, they can expect in the upcoming episodes in this series on prayer? There's so much teaching on prayer. Uh, I would like to have a podcast on how we address God. Jesus said, in this way, pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I'd like to talk about how we can hallow God's name. Then there's a series of commands on how to give thanks to God. So we'd like to have a podcast on how to give thanks. And then there are specific things that God asks us to pray for. And so we'd like to have a podcast on 
what our listeners need to be focused on as far as when they do pray. For example, in 1 Timothy 2, Paul says that, I desire that supplications, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for kings and all who are in high place, that we might live a quiet and tranquil life. Well, maybe we're not praying for our rulers the way that we should. God wants to hear from us in that respect. Well, and I like that almost as a teaser because, you know, after two full podcasts so far, it's almost like we've just sort of scratched the surface or, or we've seen just the tip of the iceberg with a lot more uh, that we could uh, chat with our listeners about. Well, that's a good point. Uh, throughout the scriptures, there's two critical things that are emphasized over and over and over again. One is, how do you God? And the second one is, how do you talk to God? And if we can get those two down, we're going to walk through life in fellowship with God, with close relationship with Him, and regardless of whether God gives us all of the physical or or blessings that we would like to have, we won't even care because we'll have reached a level where just communicating with God and expressing our trust to Him is enough. So, Brian, before we wrap up this particular episode, do you have any thoughts before I uh, suggest some resources at our website? Uh, no, good. And invite our listeners to come back and listen to uh, the next uh, podcast. All right. Very good. So in the interim, uh, we do have some material at our website at biblequestions.org. Uh, two main sections. One is under the topics menu item. If you find the letter P and then scroll down to the topic of prayer, uh, you'll certainly find several you know, shorter and longer articles uh, that you can uh, do some reading. The other is under the lessons menu item, specifically under lessons, Christian living, there is a page on prayer, which happens to be a uh, multi-lesson uh, series uh, on prayer uh, that Alan has done uh, previously uh, that has eight different lessons which can uh, provide our listeners uh, even more uh, detail uh, in addition to the various podcasts uh, that we have offered and uh, posted on the web as well. So we would certainly offer that to our listeners as well and encourage them to uh, you know dig into that material. More importantly, dig into their Bibles, you know, look at the scriptures, you know, see what they have to say, and uh, ultimately have the courage, if you will, to put it into practice and be more pleasing to God. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website, biblequestions.org, where you can submit a Bible question to be answered. And you can also search archives where we have answered several hundred Bible questions over the years. Our website also has a host of free Bible study material, free correspondence courses, as well as sermons and a host of other material. Please stop by and check it out.